Hey, Cosmic Loves. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we don't know a damn thing about anything. Nobody does. It's all a facade. True that. It's all a red herring. It's all an illusion. It's all a fiction we've agreed to is true. A perfect illusion. Is that a Madonna song? No, you don't remember that song? No. How does it go? It wasn't love. It wasn't love. Oh, yes, that was a Gaga song. (laughs) From the Joanne album, which we were just talking about. It was a perfect illusion. It was kind of the most forgettable Gaga album. Not that it's a bad album, because there are some beautiful songs, and it has a beautiful sentiment, and... It's kind of on theme with our discussion today. <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally is. <laughs> so the spirit of Joanne is with us because mm-hmm. that was a that was an ancestor of Gaga's, right? It was. We're gonna, it was her aunt. We're going to deep dive later into uh, ancestors and altars, which I'm very excited to lead us all down that rabbit hole. Yeah, me too. So, but no shade to Joanne. No shade to Joanne. We love you, Joanne. You're welcome yeah. here. We, and we love that song. Yeah, we, we do. But we kind of stay on art pop a little more. Yeah. And that's just where we are. Oh my God, art pop. <laughs> as long as you take the inappropriate R. Kelly song off of it. Wasn't, remember the duet that she did with Christina Aguilera instead? Well, yeah, it was, yeah, well, it was the same song. Yeah, no, but that's what it. I mean. That, yeah. So just listen to that version and not the R. Kelly version. Totally. So much I better. I love that version. Yeah, it was so good. Anyhow. <laughs> should, should we introduce ourselves besides uh, as like totally. Lady Gaga super fans? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a producer and an astrologer. Yes, you are. Uh, and you just produced a film that had some success recently, so you should tell the gazers. Yeah, I produced a film called Bad Hair. I've spoken about it on this show before. Uh, it's the second feature from Justin Simeon. And we just premiered at Sundance uh, and we got picked up for distribution. So everyone will get a chance to see the movie sometime later this year. And this was your retrograde baby. Oh my gosh, it was the retrograde baby. We made it during the last Mars retrograde. So funny that it'll probably come out during this Mars retrograde in Aries. Whoa. How funny is that? That is <laughs> that is astrology is real, y'all. There you go, bitch. And you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am also a tarot reader and a teacher uh, and a writer. And so many more things, honey. I mean, aren't we all? You know what you were last night was a baker. Oh, I was a baker last Mm, night. I I baked some good pumpkin bread. We just like ate yummy chili and pumpkin bread and watched Jojo Rabbit. It was a nice little evening. And you know what's so funny is I actually gave some of that pumpkin bread to my ancestors. You can see right down there. (laughs) I hope that wasn't my my slice. No, there's enough for you too. (laughs) No wonder Noche was sniffing in it. Yeah. He's like, I want this altar space. (laughs) And again, we'll be talking about that. Why? What the hell do I mean when I say I gave some pumpkin bread to my ancestors? Yeah. And hope. I wonder if one of them will come in the middle of the night and eat it. Uh, I hope not, because I'll know that was either you or Noche. What? And that'll be a problem. There's plenty (laughs) more where that came from. There's a lot of pumpkin bread, everybody. I hope so. Uh, Uh, But anyhow, why don't we do a little uh, check-in? Let's check in. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I um, I mean, so much is happening. I'm no longer sick, which is gorgeous. And I have to say, now that I'm on the other end of that sickness, I have a lot of gratitude for it. It 
took so much out of me in a good way. Like it really took a lot of fear and anxiety away from me. It took a lot of heaviness away from me. At the end of that kind of two and a half week period of sickness, I went and I received some shamanic healing from my teacher. And it was just a truly uh, powerful, beautiful, and the only way I can explain it is like a spiritual homecoming. Ooh. I feel in a lot of ways like I'm continuing to come home to who I am and to what my beliefs are and what my work is. And as I come home, I feel more serene and more grounded and like I can move at my own authentic pace as opposed to the pace of the world. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to take this to the circus that is the Sundance Film Festival <laughs> and see if I could stand in my own and be serene and be authentic in a place that doesn't necessarily encourage those things. And I had such an amazing experience. I loved being out there. I found myself so attracted to the mountains and the snow and the quiet of that setting. And on the Aquarius new moon, it was the day after the premiere and everybody was gone from the house. They all had meetings and things like that. So I was alone in this house in the mountains and there was this light snow and I just took myself for a walk during the Aquarius new moon. And I just, got so fucking high on those mountains. Like mm -hmm. it was unbelievable. Now that I'm, you know, not smoking pot anymore, that I'm not getting high in quotation marks. It's amazing how I experience myself getting high on so many other things, you know, like right. I literally like can get high on a TV show or on a book or on a walk in the mountains. It's like, I'm so much more available and accessible to like natural drugs. I don't even know what to call it, but it's uh, an experience that I will remember for some time. And I'm feeling peacefully empowered. That's great. And what about you, babe? What's your check-in? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I definitely was able to get some downtime after the intense whirlwind of Sundance. It was very busy very exhausting, but I felt really successful through the whole thing. I felt like I was able to approach everything from a pretty grounded place. I definitely had some revelations uh, about myself and how I approach certain relationships, which was really helpful and profound. And ultimately, yeah, just felt really good to coming back home. But I jokingly said the other night when some friends were over that January's over and now the year can really begin because uh, January just felt like this like long runway for me. And I felt like I finally was able to like take off into the new year once I got back, because I needed to come home, I needed to rest and recuperate and get through my emails and, you know, just kind of get back in touch with all the other components of me, just because I've been so caught up in like the movie 
and just trying to get some other things done. I was working on this script and trying to get a draft of that done before I left too, which I was able to do, which felt real good. So yeah, I definitely feel like I'm getting a handle on things. I have my my astrology work a little more in tune now. I have a scheduler now for people to use if they want to schedule readings with me. So that's been really cool to put together and has taken a total load off of my shoulders in regards to having to schedule things. So yeah, I'm excited for what's to come. I'm down. Um, speaking of all the things that you've been busy doing, we've been getting really busy doing a lot of spiritual gaze stuff. We have, yeah. And we created the LLC, the Spiritual Gaze LLC. It exists. It's real. We cast a, a chart for it. Yep. It's all official. Um, and we've got our 11-week tarot class coming up. We're so excited about it. It's called mm-hmm. Tarot and Cosmos 2020. And that's going to start on March 24th, which is the new moon in Aries. And registration for that class is going to be on Valentine's Day, on February 14th. Yay! So you can make yourself your Valentine mm-hmm. and give yourself a little gift and sign up for the class. Yeah, you'll be able to find a link to it on all of our social media platforms. So if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, uh, just try to link up with one of us or with us on there. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll give all those handles, but, uh, but yeah, that'll be there as well as through our mailing list, which yeah. you should be signed up for. And you can through Instagram on our link tree. Exactly. But I'm really excited about this class, y'all. I've been putting together all sorts of really great supplemental content for it. I've even been drawing some really adorable uh, little graphics to go along with all of the extensive notes. And you can find like a pretty extensive <laughs> uh, syllabus for all 11 weeks. I think Mercury was in Aquarius when I wrote that uh, syllabus. So it is very thorough. She loves details. Um, But uh, we're really excited about that. And we also want you to plug the dates September 18th through the 21st into your calendar, which will be the first ever Spiritual Gaze Retreat for the Autumn Equinox in Joshua Tree, California. It's just going to be a weekend of basically being immersed in the podcasts. <laughs> yeah. It's a weekend of healing. So mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, have the opportunity to do a lot of the things that we talk about here. Breath work, shamanic journeying. Angel's going to lead a workshop in astrology. We'll probably have a time uh, doing a group tarot reading. You'll get to be healed by Noche, who will be there. There'll be delicious mm-hmm. food. Um, you know, we'll probably get to do a fire ceremony. There's May- a pool. There's a pool. There's a jacuzzi. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, Joshua Tree is such a sacred, incredibly powerful healing place. And so we'll also, uh, you know, just be taking you out either into the park or to some other secret places that we know about. And so for those of you that, you know, are familiar with Joshua Tree, um, you know, it's appeal. But for those of you that don't, it's about two hours east of Los Angeles. So it's also a great opportunity for you to come out to California, um, and, uh, and see some of the sites, maybe some of your friends out here, and you know, put the retreat on your calendar. Uh, we'll have some more details about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, more to come on that. But uh, very excited about everything to come. Yeah, and we're going to be doing monthly webinars. 
Yes, we are. Which are going to be your opportunity to really deep dive into the energy of each season. So we're going to start with Pisces season in a couple of weeks. Mercury will be in retrograde, so it could be a clusterfuck, but we're going to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the first ones usually are anyway. Hey, girl. Um, and these are going to be super affordable, $22, and it's live with Angel and I. But if you can't join live, we'll send you the link within you know 24 hours. But we're going to talk about like what's the energy of the season? What can you expect for the month ahead in terms of transits and aspects, the new moon, the full moon? Um, possible rituals, uh, and then also just like Q&A. Like if you have questions about your chart or about how it affects you, um, you know, we can't always answer every question that slides into our DMs, but these webinars are a great place to, you know, get some of your questions met if you don't want to, you know, connect for a full reading or you just don't know, you know, where to begin. So we're really excited to offer all of this to keep growing the community and I will stop plugging our shit. Yes. All right. Well, um, yeah, we do have a really exciting deep dive uh, but before we get into that, shall we just check in on what's going on above? Yeah, everybody, put on your spacesuit or get in your alien spaceship because it's time for this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. <laughs> oh my God. All right, y'all, so it's February. We are smack dab in the center of Aquarius season. It's my birthday season. Exactly. That's why she's on fire. Oh, am I on <laughs> fire? I didn't realize. Lemon fuego, air seasons. What can I, I say? That's all right. I know. I have such little air in my chart that I'm, it's so funny that I ended up marrying an air sign, but I guess it makes sense. I needed that in my life. Someone to draw me out of my like shell. Uh, but uh, yeah, we are smack dab in Aquarius season. A time of air, a time of communication, time of innovation and inspiration and vision. Uh, you know, Aquarius is ruled by the planet Uranus, so it's also concerned with revolution, with change. It's the planet that rules sudden moves and chaos as well. So at times we can find ourselves thrust into situations or environments that push us out of our comfort zone. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really important to you know, use this time to take all of those start of the year goals that you had and to infuse them with the excitement and the creativity, that inspiration, that vision, you know, as you move it all toward the next level. Um, Because it's basically an opportunity now for us to all be, you know, moving into the next phase of our personal growth. You know, if you're thinking of even like the bigger scope of things, we just, you know, January, of course, brought us that Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, which was a moment of release the old structures, the old ways of doing things, and get in tune with a new way of being, a new foundation for yourself in some area of your life, and taking responsibility for the next stage that wants to come through. So, you know, right now we can all rise up and really tackle some of the tasks that are needed to manifest some of these visions for our next phase. Uh, You know, we can go out into the world, you know, Aquarius wants to connect with others. So you can go out and connect with those who want to help you along your path as well. Share the information that you you gathered, communicate your ideas, you know, know that no one else has said or done the thing that you want to do. So find a community of people who can really, you know, get behind you and help you motivate 
into this next phase of life or, you know, around whatever that is for yourself, whether it's, you know, work-related, family-related, home-related, relationship-related, or all of the above, uh, or even just inner self. Uh, we're all in some area trying to, again, inspire some sort of like stepping into a new version of yourself. Um, now, we do have a, a Leo full moon coming up on February 9th, and it offers an opportunity to release some of your latest creations out into the world. So if there is some sort of offering that you can give that allows others to see a truer expression of you. Now, I know not everyone is like working on a painting or a poetry book, um, but Creativity can come in so many forms, you know, it can even be in the form of just like a beautiful dinner that you create that is meant to bring a group of people together, you know, so it's just figuring out for yourself and obviously looking at where you will have Leo in your chart, what house is this full moon happening in, what, what house is happening in for you? Girl, it's in my fifth house. So what creative inspiration can you release out into the world I'm working on a full moon? <laughs> I'm working on a play. I haven't even told you about it yet. Oh, shit. Look at her. So maybe I'll share it with you. So I might get to see the first draft. Yeah, you might. So yeah, I think, you know, it's important to utilize this time to showcase a piece of yourself, you know, take action that puts you more vulnerably out into the world because that is an act of self-love. Again, let me say that. Yes, please. By taking an action that puts you more vulnerably out into the world, that is an act of self-love. Girl, this is astrology church. <laughs> you know, you're showing yourself that you matter and you deserve to be seen. Mm. So even if you don't have some great offering to make, you can take steps toward pursuing your passion or a goal, you know, make some time to put you first, but with the inner knowledge that what you're pursuing has a greater goal for the collective in mind. And if it doesn't, then it may be important for you to go within and connect to the selfless energy of your goals. So if you are, you know, writing a play or a book or doing a painting, it's, you know, connecting deeper into yourself and asking, okay, well, what is the greater, you know, what is the greater meaning of this piece? You know, what is the greater meaning of my work? Like, what is its, like, function in the big picture? Yeah, as far as what you're trying to communicate to the world at large. Yeah. It also makes me think, too, just, like, for people that aren't necessarily having a light bulb, like, oh, yeah, like, I have a creative project. Like, sometimes it's just, like, the creativity of your presence. Mm -hmm. Like, people forget that just your presence can be healing when you are creatively engaging with people. Totally creatively meaning like you don't filter yourself you're willing to let the conversation go wherever it goes you're willing to dress in the way that you want to dress i mean aquarians are known for being like totally eccentric dressers because it's like a creative presentation of the self completely so this could be an opportunity to yeah just get go. a tattoo well, i was gonna say like yeah you do that or go to the you know to whoever cut your hair and just be like you know what what do you think would look good on me? Pierce you know? your nipple. <laughs> or pierce your nipple. I actually have to say, though, I have seen... No, that sounds so painful. I know. I've heard I know it's it sounds, so painful. I know. I don't know. We're not here for that. No, but well, if you have I your mean, nipple pierced, yeah. we're here for it. It looks hot, but like, I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I dated someone who had their nipples pierced once, and it was like so... I just was always so like 
shocked by it. Okay, well, this is news to me. <laughs> um, Moving on. You would have loved her. Huh. Oh, whoa. Okay, now I'm shook. All right. Also coming up this month, Mercury is going to begin its first retrograde of this year. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so that happens on February 17th. And really, well, we're recording this on February 3rd. So we're actually already in the shadow phase of this retrograde. Um, and just to remind everyone again, the shadow phase is... Here, let me back up. Basically, this Mercury retrograde is going to exist between the degrees of 28 Aquarius and 12 Pisces. That's the path she's retracing. Exactly. So we're currently, we just passed 28 degrees Aquarius. We're moving right now toward 12 degrees Pisces, which will hit on February 17th. And then the retrograde begins. Going all the way back. Yeah. So basically when everyone, you know, when you're hearing this, you will see that we're already in the retrograde phase. So I love how Ann Orderly always puts it, you know, that, you know, you're seeing the story of your retrograde unfold already. So just things that are starting to come up for you uh, is a good indicator of what this retrograde could be about for you. You haven't seen the last of it. <laughs> it actually reminds me, and this is a very specific reference, but of the Mummy Ride at Universal Studios. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a roller coaster that literally goes in one direction and then you hit a wall and you like see the mummy and then you literally do the whole ride backwards. Yeah. Oh, it's such a fun ride. It is a pretty fun ride. <laughs> but that's like the Mercury retrograde. Like yeah. Mercury goes as far as it can, it hits a wall and then it has to go all the way backwards mm -hmm. before it then gets to go forwards again. Oh, well, in my astrology theme park <laughs> that I open someday. <laughs> God, that'll that'll be, be the Mercury retrograde ride. Oh my God. Mercury <laughs> retrograde revenge. What an amazing idea. The spiritual gaze astro park. All right. Well, oh, we, can get, we, need we an, can get, we need there. an investor. We need an investor clearly. <laughs> if we build it. Oh my gosh. Uh, but anyhow, you know, of course also just important to pay attention. You know, if you know your chart, what area do you have? 28 degrees Aquarius to 12 degrees Pisces. Uh, I know for myself, that's, just smack dab in my 11th house. Uh, it's actually like the edge of my 10th house into my 11th house. And it goes right over my Mars. So it's basically going to go, this Mercury retrograde is going to go over my Mars three times over the course of the next, you know, month and a half. That sounds good. Yeah, in my 11th house. So I feel like that's a good opportunity to be like, pushing things out into the world, yeah. you know, and creative because Pisces is very creative, you know, but it's also spiritual based, you know, so it's important to use this time to, we always say with retrograde, it's our E words, reflect, renew, regenerate, reignite, reconsider, re-engage, you know, so trying to do those things with Pisces-like areas of your life spirituality creativity silence so finding ways for yourself to see where in your life you need that and how to to get in touch with that and again those first two weeks of february they're going to lay a lot of hints in your path around what are the challenges what are the opportunities this retrograde wants to bring your way so just be paying close attention
And also Venus is going to be making its way into Aries. Which... Spicy, spicy <laughs> lady. Yes. Uh, you know, it's a sign that Venus normally isn't entirely comfortable in. You know, she's in her detriment there. She finds her way. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, the aggressive energy of Aries, it just doesn't always gel well with that softer, more like traditionally feminine vibe of Venus. Um, but, you know, so this combination can really heat things up in your relationships, not always in the best way. There can be a bit of a volatile nature sometimes to your connections, your conversations. You know, everyone's point of view wants to be heard and wants to be recognized. But, you know, the underlying tone here is passion. So, you know, when coupled with the energy of of this full moon, even, you know, it can bring some forward movement into your personal projects, you know, just try not to bowl over anyone in the process. You know, you still have to learn how to like deal with people again, use that retrograde energy to kind of slow down a bit so that you don't like get overwhelmed into some sort of argument with people. Okay. All right. Stop breeding me for filth in front of all the gazers. <laughs> you know, I have Venus and Aries natally. Okay. So do I. Oh yeah. But mine's a 12th house Aries. So Mine's a first house. Exactly. But what so I yours is tried and true. <laughs> I just want to remind people, remember uh, a couple of, who knows how long ago, time is an illusion. Uh, I kind of coined the idea that when a planet's in its detriment, it's actually in its innovation. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. idea that a planet in its detriment just means it doesn't behave the way that people expect the planet to behave, but that doesn't mean it's bad. So Venus, which we you know think of as like the goddess of love, and she's soft, and she's leisurely, and she's you know so gorgeous. In Aries, she's like, she's spicy, she's hot, she's a bad girl, she's tough, she's like working hard for the money, she's got her nails out and her fucking spike heels on, she's giving us gaga realness. And there's something to be said about just like embracing that, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I think this is an opportunity for everyone to just stand in their power in space. Ooh, girl. You know, like remember that you belong in any of the rooms that you end up in. I know you meant like stand in your power, like and in your space, but I also got the image of like standing in your power in space. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just floating. With yeah. Fucking hands on your hips with like your she-ra outfit yeah, on you're like bitch i'm here yeah but ultimately you know do not let anyone else try to absorb the light that is meant for you this month is a really good time to be pushing yourself forward to be having the difficult conversations especially the difficult difficult conversations you haven't been having with yourself Take those scary leaps, believe in yourself in ways that you never thought you could because that's the only way you're going to get shit done and that's the cosmic tea. All right. So from up in the sky to 20,000 feet beneath the earth's surface, we're going from up to down as above, so below. Put on your snorkel gear and your little two-piece bikini. <laughs> Which one first? I don't know. Probably the <laughs> bikini first, unless you want to snorkel nude. We don't judge. No. It's time for this episode's Deep Dive. Deep dive. So I would like to begin this little deep dive into the subject of working with your ancestors and working with altars by actually giving you permission to call your ancestors into whatever space you're in right now. So if you're driving your car or you're just walking on the street or you're laying in bed, just take a moment 
And just invite from your heart, invite those luminous ancestors in your bloodline, those people who lived well and died well, those people who made medicine for their time, who fulfilled their soul's purpose, who transcended after death. Invite them to be here with you now, and and you might not know who they are. They might be way far back, but they're your family. And by inviting them into this space, by calling on those ancestral helping and healing presences, we begin to develop that relationship with them. And we might also take a moment to acknowledge the non-human ancestors that predate humanity. So I'm talking about, you know, the spirit of the earth herself, who's really our oldest ancestor. And I'm talking about the spirits of the great oceans and the great lakes of the massive mountains, these features that created not just the shape of the planet as we know it, but the opportunity for us to have life. And that these more ancient ancestors have wisdom and healing and teaching that we need at this time. And so we call them into this space as well to hold us well here as we just start to explore, to really just skim the surface of what it means to live in right relationship with the ancestors. And now that we've called them in, you might just take a moment to see if you feel any differences. Sometimes you feel the air get a little thick. Sometimes you might feel a little electricity run up and down your spine or some chills on your arms. Maybe you just feel a sweetness or a softening in your heart. But just becoming aware, what does it mean? What does it feel like? What does it look like or taste like or smell like when the ancestors are really here? So what does it mean to work with your ancestors and why does it matter, right? Like we're contemporary human beings. We like barely know our great grandparents. Like who gives a fuck, right? Wrong. So here's the deal. Ancestor worship, which is, you know, what it's called. And I'm not saying we have to worship our ancestors, but we do want to be in right relationship with them. But ancestor worship is like one of the oldest religions in quotation marks. You know, it dates all the way back to like 6,000 BC, back in China. This is how what is true and good and beautiful in our bloodlines was passed down and passed on. And so I fielded some questions on the Instagram about working with the ancestors. And one of the major questions that came up was like, I don't know who my ancestors are. I don't know where I came from. And I'm like, exactly. And that's why you start to work with your ancestors. Because it's not about like your great aunt Sally, like, you know, goddess love her, maybe she was amazing. It's not even about like your great, great uncle Joe. It's really about the far back ancestors, those are sometimes the ones that really have the juju that you want, you know, like the first shaman in your bloodline, the first healer. Um, this is the energy that we're starting to connect to. And the way that you connect to this energy is just by beginning some sort of ritualized practice around connecting with your ancestors. And the reason why I thought to combine the subjects of ancestors and altars is because creating an altar or a shrine, and I will talk about the difference between them in this episode, that's how you start to work with your ancestors, is having a place in your house where you connect with them. 
and you open up the space and you connect with them and then you close the space so that they're not there like all the time, you know, like when you're having sex or, you know, showering, (laughs) you know, the thing is you want to create a, you know, open and closed sort of situation. You want to be in control of this, but the way you work with your ancestors is just to simply open up your heart to it. And we'll get into more specifics there too. Um, so, you know, I'm not like a shamanic scholar, so I'm not going to go into like the history of like ancestor religions from around the world, because frankly, like you can just Google that shit and get on Wikipedia. And like, all I would be doing is like reading Wikipedia entries to you. <laughs> and that ain't fun. But I do want to read you one thing here. So this is from the Encyclopedia of Shamanism. And I think it's a really great definition of ancestors because it speaks to what ancestors are from a shamanic perspective, which is kind of what I want to talk about today. So ancestors. The soul of a deceased ancestor returns to the physical world in spirit form to aid living family members. This spirit may be the soul or one aspect of the multiple soul that has crossed over to the land of the dead and returned to offer wise counsel and protection. Ancestor spirits function as helping spirits. So I'm going to break that down. So remember we talked about one perspective of the soul in, you know, Kabbalah is that there's the Ruach, the Nefesh, and the Neshama. There's like the spirit of the body, the spirit of, you know, the identity or your uniqueness, and then like the spirit of the divine. So there's many different traditions that think of the soul not as one thing, but as many. So sometimes, you know, part of the ancestor soul returns, but not all of it. So that's, you know, that's what that, you know, like multiple soul idea is, that there are many parts to the soul, and you might get, you know, like the divine essence of your great aunt Sandy, but you're not getting like all of her. Ancestors often present themselves as helping spirits for apprentice shamans or healers, but also for apprentice artists or businessmen. If you have ancestors that were really good at something that you want to be good at, they might be showing up for you to help you be good at the same thing. So if you have, you know, like if you're trying to be a shaman and you have an ancestor that's a shaman, they're going to show up for you. But if you're trying to be an astrologer and you have an ancestor that's an astrologer, they're going to show up for you. It is the responsibility of the ancestors to hold the memories and the wisdom gained from the past back to the dawn of humankind. It is the responsibility of the living to heal the past, to learn from the ancestors' mistakes and create change. Through the ancestors, we can draw on the collective wisdom of humankind, recalling the teachings of the past and translate the visions of what has gone before into appropriate rituals, ceremonies, and healings for the present situation. Okay, so this is an important differentiation that's made here, so tune in. Ancestor spirits are the spirits of dead family members who are not only dead, but who have successfully completed their transition into the spirit world where they now belong. Ancestor spirits are also called the ancient ones, the old ones, and grandmothers or grandfathers, depending on the culture. I call them the luminous ancestors, or ancestral helping spirits, or transcendent ancestors. Ancestor spirits should not be confused with ghosts, spirits of dead family members who have not completed their death transition and are lingering in the realm of the living where they no longer belong. This may occur when they are newly dead, are unresolved about their life, or when the death is sudden and they do not understand that they are dead. 
How a culture attends to the souls of the newly dead affects how they relate to their ancestor spirits. Generally, in cultures where care is taken to be certain that all who die are crossed over to the spirit realm, all ancestors are considered helping spirits. In cultures where the souls of the dead are not attended to and the safe completion of their death transition is uncertain, ancestor spirits are not necessarily helping spirits. So what does that mean? It means when you're working with your ancestors, you're only working with those in your bloodline who can help you from a transcendent place. You're not just working with any old person that has died. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't connect with people in your bloodline that have died. But I, you know, have to remind people, if you didn't trust your uncle when he was alive, you probably shouldn't be calling in the spirit of your uncle now that he's dead. Like, nothing has really changed. It may take some significant time. And when it comes to ancestral healing work, there are these patterns, you know, these 100, 200, 1,000-year-old patterns that until they're healed back at the source, they continue. And that's why we can look at things like history of abuse or addiction or, you know, depression of people that never were able to, you know, fulfill their dreams because how the dead, the dead affect the living and the living affect the dead essentially. But the reason why you want to have a relationship with your ancestors, you're like, well, I don't need my ancestors. Like, I've got all these past lives. So like, who cares about like my ancestors in this bloodline? And like, I'm just going to work with my angels. And you have every right to do that. And that might be the right way for you. But in my experience, your ancestors are uniquely qualified to help you particularly with the most human needs that you have, because angels, goddess, love them, have never been human. They don't entirely get what it means to be a human on the earth plane because they've never been one. Whereas your ancestors understand things like rent, like <laughs> filling your belly. Do you know what I mean? Like your helping spirits might not understand what the fuck rent is. They just like want you to like be a wise, benevolent human. And you're like, yeah, but like I need $750 in two weeks or else I am out on the street and your ancestors can fucking help you with that. So there's a real reason to connect with your ancestors in a really practical way because they can help you with the tangible stuff. It's the ancestors who I'm asking to help us find a new home, who I'm asking to look after Noche and Angel. You know, your ancestors have a vested interest in you because you are carrying forth the bloodline. So do you need to know of your ancestors to work with in order to work with them? You mentioned it's important, you know, it's best to work with ones who are or you're in, you should be interested in trying to find the ones who are, you know, 200 years, 300 years in the past. So how do you get in touch with those? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, yeah, you don't need to know any of them. The practice is about starting to discover who they are. And the first way you would do that is just by creating a little ancestral altar or shrine, which I guess I'll just talk about now. So, so you want to have a space where your ancestors are welcome in your home. Because you don't want them in your whole home, because that could be messy. So the difference between an altar and a shrine, simply put, is this. Altars are for work. It's like a collection of sacred tools. You know, so Angel and I, we have a bunch of altars, and it's where we keep all of our sacred tools, our tarot cards and our crystals and our, you know, the things that we light on fire. And, you know, <laughs> like, those are our altars. Yeah. And we have shared altars. Wigs. Which is, yeah, totally. <laughs> I have a teacher that says anywhere you put your attention is an altar. Mm -hmm. So my friend Megan, she showed me her spice rack. Her spice rack is literally 
gorgeous. Right. Like it's epic. It's a fucking altar, okay? Yeah. If you meet me, if you look at my hands, I've got a lot of rings and my nails are always painted. My hands are an altar. It's very, you know, my rings are part of my healing tools and I'm very intentional about what I place on it. And altars change. Some people change them seasonally. Some people don't. But an altar is a place for all of those tools, you know, where you work. And, you know, your coffee table might be an altar. Your fireplace mantle might be an altar. Now, a shrine is a place for honoring. It's a place that's dedicated to a specific deity or spirit. It's essentially like a little guest house that those spirits get to reside in. You're like, this is a place for you. And it's where you might leave offerings. It's where you might go to connect with that particular deity or spirit. And you can have a shrine, Angel and I do, on our altars. Like on our altars, there are, you know, little figurines of the different spirits that we work with. And that's a place for them where we connect to. And, you know, my ancestral shrine is also a little bit of an altar because it's where I work with my ancestors. It's where I go and I pray to them and I speak to them and, you know, I leave offerings. So, you know, I didn't like take a class in this. Like, yeah, I read some books, but they weren't that helpful. Let me tell you what I do. I have a little altar that I created. It's got things in it that I think my ancestors would like. So, you know, on good on good weeks, when I'm in a good routine, every morning, I pour a little cup of tea for my ancestors and I come in here and I give them the tea and I light a candle and I say a little prayer that's about calling forth those, you know, luminous ancestors, just the luminous ones. There aren't like pictures in the in the altar of like my dead grandma or my dead grandpa. Not that, you know, they might not be transcendent, but I'm speaking to just those, you know, those ancient ones. And I call them in and I get quiet. And sometimes I sing to them. Sometimes I like talk to them like I would talk to a therapist or like a good friend. And I go like, this is what I'm having trouble with. This is what I need. And I just trust in that process of unfolding. And you may not get like a name. You may not get like a vision of some Bedouin in like, you know, 400 BC wandering the desert on a camel. It's not about that. It's about the energy they bring to you. If you want more specifics, you're going to need to learn to journey. Because through journeying, through shamanic journeying, you can journey to those ancestors and you can engage with them a little bit more directly. Right. You know? But yeah, it's not like you need to know them by name in order to call them forth. You don't even need to know where they're from. Well, because the question came in, like, I I don't know where I'm from. I don't know where my homeland is. And I'm going to say, I don't think a lot of us know where our homeland is. You know? We're all very far from our homeland. But we don't need to know to call those ancestors to us because it's part of our DNA. It's part of our spiritual DNA. So then how do we know whether we're calling in, you know, on... A luminous ancestor, just a dead person? Well, I mean... You set the boundary. You just make it really clear. Well, I was going to say a luminous person. So a luminous person is always going to have good intentions, yeah, so it was like what I said. And so the difference between a dead, like just like a dead ancestor and a luminous ancestor is that the luminous ancestors, essentially, they, they transition fully. They go to the land of the dead. You know, when you die, you cross some sort of great plane. I, know, I don't know exactly what happens, but you basically reconnect with the oneness. You resolve your whole life. 
you know, and then maybe some part of your soul reincarnates, but some part of your soul can stick around and become a luminous ancestor. But if you haven't reconnected with the oneness, if you haven't resolved your life, you're just as biased and judgmental and possibly bitchy and as unhelpful as you were when you were alive. Like, I don't like, I love you maybe, but I don't need that. Like you ain't going to be able to help me. The help I need are from, you know, those ancient ancestors, which for all you know, could be like Moses, you know? Could be the Buddha. It depends on your bloodline, you know? So don't be surprised if all of a sudden, like, that's what's coming to you. And you don't need to know what to offer them. Offer them water, you know? Like, the, the simplest thing you could do is just have a candle somewhere that's just for your ancestors. And you light that candle, and you sit, and you try to connect with them. And maybe you talk out loud, maybe you feel something, and the more you do it, the more you develop that relationship. It should be a joyful experience. It does not need to be solemn. You know, connecting to our ancestors really connects us to ourself more deeply and to a more joyful part of ourself. The way we live right now, you know, the way that we've been living as a contemporary, you know, species for the last hundred years is very different than the way a lot of our ancestors lived. And we've forgotten a lot of what it means to be human beings. And so by connecting to our ancestors, we're reminded of the simplicity of joy of singing songs and coming together in a circle. That makes me think of the lovely little ritual we did for Dia de los Muertos and how joyful that was where we just sat and sort of lit a candle for every person who had passed, who had meaning for us in our lives that we wanted to give gratitude to. Uh, it was There was definitely like some tinge of sadness because we were remembering these people, but ultimately it was such a joyful experience. Totally. And some of those were not necessarily ancestral helping spirits, you right. know, day of the dead isn't necessarily about connecting with like the wise ancestors. It's, you know, just about connecting with everyone. So they feel paid attention to, so they feel, you know, heard and seen and felt. Right. But consider that like m most older cultures were tending their dead a lot better. So of there were course, a lot more yeah. ancestors available to them, whereas like we don't tend our dead at all. And so there's a lot less ancestors available to us because like there's a lot of fucked up people in all of our bloodlines. Like just think about the last like 260 years of American history. Like everyone was really fucked up. The racism, the sexism, the murder, the, you know, like, like that's, we have to get past that in all of our ancestry before we can get to like the real helpers and healers in our bloodline. So, you know, like, I'm working with an ancestral helping spirit right now that is, like, old as fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're talking many hundreds of years ago. And the reason why I'm... <laughs> Sorry. They don't mind you referring to them as being old as fuck? I mean, they probably... I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I Can I tell you something funny. really funny, actually? Yeah. I, I did a journey... Um, to, to Moses, who I work with sometimes. And Moses said to me, I have some bad news. Like, you're going to die young. And I was like, that is like a really awful thing to what? hear in a journey. And then what I understood was that Moses lived to be like 950 years old. Oh, shit. So to him, you know what I mean? Like living to be like even 100 would be young. And I was like, oh my gosh, just like the perspective. And I think that's something that we don't realize. And, and we see the world through a veil of our own ancestry. Mm. That's why we need to heal the ancestors in our own way, or at least begin to understand what's not ours. Because if you come from a legacy of racism, sexism, sexual abuse, addiction, whatever it is, like 
that is a veil that you see the whole world through. How and, dare you? And you're not even aware of it. I'm aware. Until you start to do some work. Look, it's all of us. Yeah, no, of course. I will say to you, you know, like two years ago, I really began to get passionate about healing my own ancestral lines. And I did a journey and I said, what do I need to do to heal my ancestral lines? And the answer came in loud and clear, work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you first, you just have to work on yourself. Like first right. you need to heal yourself. You need to get clear. Because if you just go in there as, you know, as beautiful as you might be, you're still wounded, you know, you're still a little messy. You're just going to mess things up even more. So get clear, work on yourself, heal yourself, have your ancestors that are already healed, come in and help you heal yourself. And then you will know when it's time to transition into starting to heal the people in your bloodline that need that help. Um, So I just want to address some of these questions, you know, make sure that I really got them here. So it's like, you know, do you have advice for connecting to your ancestors when you know little about your family? Fine. You don't need to know anything. You just need to light a candle and you need to say like, I am reaching out to my luminous ancestors. I am clarifying that I'm only interested in ancestral presences that have connected with the oneness or, you know, ones that are resolved with their life. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. And then start to pay attention to the signs or your dreams, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, How do we access our ancestors? This is the simplest way to do it, you know? If you know about your lineage, do you know what I mean? Like you might do a little bit of research because, for example, again, I can only teach from my own perspective. So I apologize if it seems like we're just talking about like one part of the world here. But, you know, Judaism is my bloodline, but I don't necessarily practice Judaism. But there are some rituals that I know of from the Jewish tradition that if I were to do them, they have a power there because that's just it stirs up some sort of magic in my blood. You know, you have those things, too. So even if like you don't particularly connect to like your Celtic heritage, just doing some of those rituals might stir something up in you. It's a way to honor those ancestors to whom they meant something. A great question here. Do all ancestors want to be contacted? How will you know who to work with? It's a great question. I don't know. Maybe some ancestors don't want to be you know, contacted, which is why working with the altar or the ancestral shrine is you just opening up the portal and saying, like, whoever's willing, whoever's right for me at this time, come forwards. And you'll start to feel them. You really will. But yeah, you may not, you know, for a long time, you may not know their name. Or you might, you know, you might be like, oh my gosh, my great-grandma Ruth, what are you doing here? She's like, bitch, you called me. Bitch, you called me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and this question, how do you go about getting in touch with your ancestors from before living memory? It's like, you you don't need to know any of the specifics. You need to know any of the details. You don't need to know where they lived, you know? If you can start to feel into that, you know, amazing. If you're like, oh, they lived by the water or they lived you know, high up in the mountain. And and that might, you know, give you something. So I journeyed before we recorded this episode. And I just asked to be told what really needs to be communicated about working with the ancestors on this podcast. So I just want to make sure that I really um, hit some of those key points, because I was, I was shown and told some really beautiful things. And the differentiation I want to make, which we've been talking about, is that there are our ancestors. And then there's also the ancestors. Mm. right and so some of them are not just people right we talked about the earth you know and the mountains and the great lakes but i think the ancestors are also like some of those first humans that we're all connected to and when we can think about some of those shared ancestors i think we discover our shared connections as humans and what i was told was that these shared connections help us to remember our interconnectedness And it reminds us 
that even those people we think we have nothing in common with are actually our family. That's the practice of working with your ancestral lines is that you really start to understand that we're all so deeply interconnected, especially at this point, you know? And, you know, marriages, they grow the ancestral body, right? Like we're part of a larger body. Like I know you're a unique individual with your own identity, but you're also just like on a, a finger, you know, on the larger body of your ancestry. You know, we, we have individual purposes as souls, but I think there's also like the soul of our ancestry, you know, that this bloodline came here to, to bring this lineage, to do this thing. You can even think about, you know, like dynasties or even just think about like, you know, beautiful art or clothes or things that just like get passed down from generation to generation. Like every bloodline has its own special magic, you know, and, and you're part of that. And then, you know, when a marriage happens and two ancestral bodies kind of join together, it creates this even larger body. And so if you think about all the marriages that have happened before you in your bloodline, you can really start to understand like how diverse you are and how many diverse ancestors are available to you. I think also something that wanted to be said is that because we are all so far from our homelands, you know, so many of us traveled very far from our homelands, sometimes by choice and more often not by choice. And we have this sense of like homelessness and homesickness on a spiritual level. And that by connecting with our ancestors, we also might connect with land as ancestor or place as ancestor. And you might start to feel the power and the support of that. You know, the reason why I'm talking about this today isn't because it's like a beautiful intellectual esoteric practice. It's because it works. It like helps your life go a lot better. Like when you can ask your ancestors to help you and you see that they do, when you're like, ancestors, I need $2,000 by the end of February and all of a sudden like something happens, when you, you know, have that relationship, it makes your life better because the thing is, is that the living affect the dead and the dead affect the living. And so we walk around wounded with these holes, but the ancestors, they can keep us together they can fix us. They can enforce our boundaries. They know how hard it is to be alive because they were alive. But remember also that their wounds are our wounds too. And the image I was shown was just like, I was like this little doll, almost like a voodoo doll. And a big ancestor spirit was like kind of sewing me up, you know, like knitting me together, fixing me. But also like a voodoo doll could like put pins in me, you know what I mean? So I'll just share this one story. And then we'll just talk a little bit more about altars. But the story is just that recently, you know, I was coming up against some real resistance to creating like the business of the spiritual gaze. I was like just feeling all sorts of like very weird roadblocks internally. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, and so I did some of my more spiritual practices to understand where this resistance was coming from. And I understood that it wasn't personal resistance. It was ancestral resistance. Because part of what I do as a writer is like I tell stories and I come from a long line, I've understood, of merchants, of people that like sold physical things. So my ancestors, and and these were not my luminous ancestors, these were probably more like, you know, like dead people that were getting in my way, didn't understand the value of selling things that weren't physical, like selling healing or teaching or stories, you know? And so one of my luminous ancestors took me to a circle of of people in my bloodline and had me tell them a story. He said, show them the value by giving them the value. And so I told them a story and it, and all of a sudden it shifted and a lot of things changed for me. 
And so that's just like a real brief example of talking about how like what you think is getting in your way sometimes is just not being in right relationship with your ancestors. And so making offerings, tea, pumpkin bread, water, whiskey, wine, you know, just acknowledging them, a beautiful, you know, leaf you see, you know, you just, you put it in the altar and you go, I'm thinking of you, you know? It enriches your life so much and it makes you feel a lot less alone. Well, and it seems like it can also be, you mentioned, incredibly healing because I imagine there are a lot of people who may have a wall up to just the concept of ancestors because they may have been abandoned or, you know, put up for adoption or, you know, some have some sort of really challenging, conflicting relationship with even just their parents, you know, that parental line. Sure. So... Or know something about their, you know, recent ancestors, like they were fucking terrible. Yeah, like come from some sort of like, yeah, immediate like connection to abuse or something along those lines. So, but I think what's interesting in hearing you talk is that these ancestors who existed even before then, they hold the most potent energy and they're looking for somebody to give it to. Exactly. And you might be that link. Right, because those other people who came before, right before you were... Couldn't get linked up with that power. Yeah, they had no connection source. Yeah. So, so I you think don't it, just do it for yourself. You do it for the descendants, for the people that are coming. Yeah, and because you're learning some level of like compassion and love for yourself, you can at least probably heal some of those feelings you have with those direct, you know, connect to those parents, what have you. Yeah. And I'm saying if they're getting in your way, honey, just leapfrog over them. You know what I mean? And like find the first and just be like, I'm calling in the uh, fucking queer witch for my bloodline. You know right. what I mean? I need a queer witch, you know, that is ready to help me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's there. I guarantee you. In every single one of your bloodlines, there's a queer witch. You know what I mean? There <laughs> right. is. No, of course. You know, I'm, there's. Why wouldn't there be? There's a. You know, there's an incredible artist. There's an incredible storyteller and medium and psychic. And there's a luminous and loving healing presence in your own bloodline that's available to you. And it's not that we can't work with other helping and healing spirits. We do. I do. But the thing about your ancestors is, is they love you the most because they are invested in you. And so it might be the only way that you really feel a sense of family which is beautiful as fuck. Okay, so real fast on altars and shrines. We talked about it, but again, I think if you consider that anywhere you put your attention is an altar and that you want your altars to reflect back to you what's important. And if it's not important, it shouldn't be on your altar. And it reminds you who you are and what you're working towards. And there's no right or wrong way to do it, you know? Some suggestions that I could say are like, yeah, like maybe it's nice to represent all four elements on your altar, you know? Like there's something for earth and there's something for air and there's something for fire and there's something for water. But, you know, Angel and I have a ton of altars. And frankly, like we have one that's kind of more for water and one that's more for fire and one that's more for air. You know, it's, you get well, to work with it. they're also personal. I mean, I have one that for me represents like my family and my history and my connection to that. So... Yeah, I think it's all just personal for you. And you just feel what works, you know? Like when I'm when I'm kind of reconfiguring my altars, you know, I feel it. I'm like does it look pleasing in a way that makes me and like does it feel pleasing? Maybe this needs to go here, maybe this needs to go there. What direction it's in? Like wh like that shit doesn't matter, you guys. That's just like again, that's like old kind of like there's a right way and a wrong way and there's no right or wrong way. Yeah, I think as long as you place things with purpose, 
and intention, then you're setting it. Yeah. And you can have temporary altars and permanent altars. You know, like whenever I teach a yoga class, whenever I lead the journey circle, I build a little altar, usually out of crystals and like the drum or the rattles. And it's just there for the length of time that the workshop happens. Then I take it down. Yeah. When I travel, I set up an altar in whatever Airbnb or hotel room. I mean, I've stayed in hotels where I've set up like, where I was knew I was going to be there a long time and set up like a pretty elaborate altar. I don't know what those cleaning people thought of me, but. They probably were like, this guy knows what's <laughs> no, going this on. This is beautiful. It but yeah. anchors you. Mm-hmm. An altar can really anchor you in time and space. And the altar will do whatever you want it to do. You know, based on the tools, you know, I have a healing altar. It's where all my healing tools are, you know? And then we have like a more devotional altar. And then Brandonna's got her own fucking altar. So giving yourself permission just to create these sorts of sacred spaces because it's where you can connect. And the more intentional and consistent you can be in these practices, you know, like that's why it's nice to have an ancestral shrine because it's the same place you go. And maybe it's the same time every day and you light that candle and you say that little, you know, poem that you made up and then you feel the presence of the ancestors and and it goes from there. Well, I, for one, would love to see some of your altars. So if you feel so inclined to take some photos and send them to us, DM us or send them, you know, email them to us, I would love to see them. Oh my gosh, that would be beautiful. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll post a photo of one of ours too. Yeah. But also, you know, some, you can feel it. Some altars want to be photographed and shared and some are deeply private and personal. Yeah, super sacred. So keep it that way if it wants to be. Totally. So funnily enough, like as we were getting to record this episode, this email came into my fucking inbox, which was literally like, discover how your ancestors can help you transform your lineage and your life. (laughs) Who's that from? The Ancestral Healing Summit, a free online event, February 17th through the 21st. (laughs) Well, we just gave one. Okay. So this is sponsored by the Shift Network. I have no idea if this is going to be good or not, y'all, but I just had to share it because look, like this is something that... Um, you might feel like very uh, inspired and passionate about it. You're like, I want to know more, you know? So just like, just dive in here. So uh, the website is literally ancestralhealingsummit.com. Um, and <laughs> we have no connection. To we have literally no connection to it. <laughs> they have no idea who we are, um, but it's free. And, you know, maybe that's uh, that's something that, we all could benefit from. There's also a book that I would recommend um, by Daniel Four F O O R. He leads a lot of workshops um, in the subject of ancestral healing, um, and his book is literally called Ancestral Medicine, and it's very dense. And there's a lot of like specific practices. For some people, Virgos, that's great. For other people, Aquarians, you just want to do it your own freaky way. So feel into it however you want. But I am all about sharing resources that have helped me kind of uh, unpack some of these very large subjects. Um, and I hope this was helpful. I mean, it was helpful for me. Oh, so great. Thank well, you. fuck. Okay, good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Got one. Well, awesome. And now is the time for the uh, tarot card of the episode. No. Oh, shit. Then what is it time for? No, it is. I'm just feeling very contrary because it's Aquarius season. Of course. Welcome to my life, everybody. Okay, my love. So get ready to tune in to the energy of the cards. Just by hearing them being shuffled is enough. If you have a question, if there's an area in your life where you need guidance, just ask the cards for the message to really address that. 
and just know that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you're listening. So even if you've just been, you know, listening to random episodes and it's 2023, this message is for you now. The Hanged Man. So the Hanged Man is a really terrible name for a really beautiful card. Because the Hanged Man is not like someone who is being hung as punishment, but somebody who is literally surrendering completely to a spiritual path. And if we think about the Hanged Man upside down, it's the same way that we came out of our mother's wombs. Unless you were a breech baby. Like me. Oh, you were? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, kicking and screaming. Who knew? So the hanged man is connected to Neptune, which is the planet of mysticism and spirituality and prayer and also drugs and alcohol, right? Like it's all the same. It's just how it's expressed. High vibe, you pray, you sing, ecstatic dance, low vibe, you shoot a heroin, you know, you drink too much, you, you know, you know how it goes. So when we pull the hanged man, what we're being invited into is to surrender. It's a card of absolute acceptance, accepting everything that's around you. And I always like to talk about the two directions of acceptance when the hanged man shows up. Because yeah, we want to accept our circumstances. The simplest example of this is like, if it's raining outside, you should probably accept it and put on your rain jacket. Don't just like go outside in like shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and pretend that it's sunny because that is not going to turn out well for you, you know? So you got to accept accept. So, you know, you got to accept your circumstances. I have this much money. I'm in this place. This is what's going on for me. But also, the more interesting direction of acceptance is internal. And this actually is what connects to some of the astrology Angel was talking about earlier in the episode, which is that we have to accept who we are on a deeper level and stop resisting it and fighting against it. You have to accept that you are passionate about the things that you are passionate about, that you want to pursue the things that you want to pursue. You have to accept that about yourself because that's part of your unique medicine. That's part of your spiritual purpose. And so the hanged man asks us to approach our lives from that place. I am surrendering to my authenticity. And when I am in that river of surrender, it is amazing what might show up for me. It makes me think of that quote someone said, I would rather fail as myself than succeed as somebody else. But I guarantee you, if you surrender to who you are, like who you really are and what you really want to do, and I'm not talking about what your ego wants for you, and I'm probably not talking about what your grandma wants for you, but if you surrender to what your soul wants for you, there's no way you can't succeed. And it just might be that what your idea of success and what success really feels like to your soul are different. If we want to change something, we have to accept it. And so the hanged man comes right before death, which is change, which is transformation. But we can't get to that portal. We can't fix, change, or manipulate a damn thing until we accept it as it is exactly right now. So I wish you a peaceful, spiritual, mystical, Neptunian experience of acceptance and surrender And wherever you are, know that what's deep inside you is to be accepted and embraced, not pushed aside. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Oprah. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that. 
Um, all right. Well, thanks also to all of you out there uh, in listener land. We really appreciate you showing up and showing out for us. We fucking love you. Yeah, seriously. As Brandon mentioned earlier, we're going to have a bunch of cool offerings coming up this year. So we hope to get to engage with uh, more of you even more directly. We can't wait to sit in a circle with you and yeah. engage with you more directly. Noche can't wait to lick your face. <laughs> or bark at you. Both, probably. Yes. He barks and then he licks. Thank you, Justin Simeon, for the interstitial musics that keep on kicking. Yes. They deliver a licking. <laughs> they taste like chicken. Oh, do they? I haven't tried to taste it. Yeah, try. Taste a beat. Uh, you can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram, at Spiritual Gaze on Twitter, The Spiritual Gaze on Facebook, or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you on all those things. Don't hesitate to reach out to us with questions or comments. If you have things you want episodes to be about, if you're like, I'd really love to know more about like runes or the I Ching or, you know, whatever it is you want to know more about, reach out to us. Yeah, we'll delve in. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's it, boo. That's it, boo. Until we meet again. This I'll I'll meet you again very shortly. Yeah, I mean, like, are we are we going somewhere separate from each other? <laughs> no, we're um, going to the other. Room. Yeah, exactly. Until next time, sweet, beautiful babies, gazers, Lovers. cosmic children, perfect illusions. <laughs> this has been your transit through the spiritual game.